You want to speak into the front of it. There you go. Perfect. Indeed. Yeah, sounds much better now. I'm a big cod podcast expert now. <laughs> yeah, you can start your own show now. Right on. <laughs> <coughs> Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Conf T with URSC, recorded Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. A quick reminder that the thoughts and opinions expressed here are our own, and to please consult with Cisco TAC or Cisco Certified Partners before implementing any of the recommendations made on this show. I am your host, Brian Young, and I'm here with my eminent co-host, Brian Boyd. How are you doing, sir? Doing well, given circumstances, now that we're yeah. deep into a quarantine. Deep into our quarantine, uh, I know that all of our listeners here are affected regardless of where you're from, so our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Hope everything is going as well as it can be, that everyone is safe and, uh, and healthy. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a definitely an unprecedented time that, uh, that we're, thing that we're dealing with here, so uh, um, definitely hope that everyone is uh, doing okay. We um, we took a bit of a different uh, path this time with our show. Uh, you'll notice the uh, an odd title of uh, Brian having uh, six kids, um, which we'll wait for you to listen to that before we uh, we won't we won't reveal any spoilers yet. So you'll have to listen for that one. But um, we decided to take a little bit of a different route this time. We actually spoke with um, a distinguished engineer Von Swazo. He comes from the service provider role, which is something that you know, Brian and I don't dabble with at all, as you'll uh, as you'll hear throughout this episode. But um, it was really cool, I think, to uh, kind of get a peek behind the curtains. So we'll uh, we'll get started with that, and uh, we'll come back with some commentary after. So Vaughn, thank you very much for joining us today. We are here with Vaughn Swazo, uh, like the suave shampoo, but with the zo at the end instead. Right on. <laughs> Vaughn, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your role here at Cisco? Yeah, you bet, Brian. Thanks. So, uh, yeah, like Brian said, Vaughn Swazo. Uh, I'm a distinguished architect. I work in America's service provider organization. And for our team, I provide uh, technical leadership on our data center and cloud technologies. Working with customers on both what you would call their production services and their internal services. Uh, so it gives me a pretty good perspective of our service provider customers in terms of how they operate, um, organizations and things like that. I've been at Cisco since 1999. Uh, walked wow, in the door wow. with a routing and switching CCIE and mm -hmm. uh, I thought I was ready to conquer the world. I knew it all and uh, <laughs> quickly learned that at this company, there's a lot of smart people. So it's been a great journey meeting all those people, making a lot of friends like yourself, Brian. You know, we built a relationship here. So a um, little bit about myself, uh, me and my family, we live in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. soon to move to Texas, but I've been married to my wife, Terry, for 35 years. Uh -huh. uh, that's probably the only reason I'm here talking to you today. Mm. Thank God for her. Two wonderful kids that are both grown up, raising their own families. My daughter, who's 34, Jessica, Jordan, my son, who's 28, and I have two grandsons, 
Phoenix and Lincoln. Phoenix is 12, Lincoln is four. And uh, that was probably one of the uh, nicest transitions of my life, going from um, husband, father, where you're, you're a leader of your family, you're, you got to tell your kids how to grow up and everything, to now, oh, I'm just a grandfather. All <laughs> I got to do is have fun. So <laughs> life has been great since then. Good to know. <clears throat> Good to know. Yeah, I, um, Brian is uh, just recently married, but um, the other Brian, and um, no kids yet, but uh, I we, we keep razzing about it. It's going to happen soon, I'm sure. Not that soon, Brian. Not that soon. I'm still enjoying myself. <laughs> I tell you, man. No, you're not. There, <laughs> no, there you go. Not. He said no, it right no, there. You you don't experience the joys in life to the level that you do when you become a father. Until until you become a father. It's okay. it's, it's just it's just fact. I got Vaughn can back me up on that. <laughs> He's right. I'll give him that. You have time. You don't have to rush into it like I did. Uh, there's a picture of me with my daughter who's one years old for her birthday. And people look at that picture because I was 19 mm. and they look at that picture and go, damn, a baby raising a baby. <laughs> so you do have time, but uh, it does does uh, change you for the better. And uh, if you can do this job and raise a family, <laughs> good on you. Good to know. So, um, Fond, you said you're a distinguished architect. Um, I don't believe we've come across anyone with that title before. Can you give us a little bit of uh, an idea of what that actually entails, kind of what your responsibilities at Cisco uh, you know, would be to get a title like that? <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a, there's, there's a distinguished community in sales, which is the one I'm mm -hmm. a part of. We used to be called Distinguished Systems Engineers, but we mm -hmm. titles changed a couple of years back with Mike Coons, so it's now an architect. Yep. Same thing. Um, CX has a distinguished community, mm -hmm. and of course, our engineering community has a distinguished community plus a fellow community. So back to your question. Uh, as a distinguished, you're nominated by leadership um, because you're more or less you've proven yourself to be a technical leader, a business leader, somebody that can work across different verticals. Um, even let's say, for example, you're a service provider. It's important for them to see that, hey, you were able to go across the table and help enterprise peers and vice versa for the enterprise people with the same title. They've worked with the service provider. So you've got a, a broad, broad reach but a very focused impact. So a little bit more, but the, for me, it's really, you have three audiences in this title. Number one, uh, the customers first, and they expect mm -hmm. somebody in my role to have more of an architectural view. A lot of times people say, hey, Vaughn, the customer really wants to know what other customers are doing with respect to telco cloud, 5G, how are they building their data centers? Um, how's, how are they doing virtualization? So it's it's an architectural role with the customers to give them some ideas. Of, the account teams obviously can talk products with product managers, but I feel the gap, like I said, was what are other people doing? Again, that, you have that broad reach. Mm -hmm. Number two, uh, the SEs. They're in a very important audience. Um, mentoring. Um, Tiger teams, um, VTs. 
So you have opportunities to how do you get information to these folks? Um, I think what I've learned over the years, the SE audience, keep it real. You know, just tell me what it what it is. I don't need to be sold. And um, I think what's been interesting for the last two years also, I think you would relate to this. Both you, Brian's, would relate to this is you probably get 10, 15 emails today with some type of update, some type mm-hmm. of update. You know, your manager's update, Chuck's update, product update, CX update. So you get Especially a lot now. of it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even more now. COVID-19. Add that in there. Yep. Um, so they, when they talk to you or you provide them an update, hey, make it quick. What's the point? If I want the mm-hmm. full story, I'll call you. Right. So um, the SE community is your audience. And then uh, the last audience is uh, the Cisco product and engineering teams. And if our group, which trust me, there's you're, if, you, if I'm the first one you've ever met, there are many others way smarter and more articulate than me. But what we all do a good job of is, it's one thing to say, hey, the customer said they wanted uh, MPLS traffic engineering with OSPF, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to influence an engineering team on a functionality that's going to take a lot of resources, you got to be able to describe why this is important. And even if it's for one customer, if you can kind of relay to them the problem they're solving, organizational, technical, business, or whatever, and they can understand from that perspective, then they can also understand from a broader perspective why this might be important for a broader audience. Right. So you have to go beyond just parroting what the customer said. You have to be able to diagnose it and break it down to give them an idea of the impact if they were to be able to do this. So that's, that's in my words, you know, the three audiences and the roles. And um, I think you also have to be very good with um, the SVP audience because you're, you're looked as a, a valuable resource. So when you get on like with Patrick Morrissey, my SVP and America's service provider, it's a little bit different conversation than my SE leader. Right. The SE leader wants to know the details, you know, Patrick, the outcome or the problem I need to go freaking solve or it's a okay. We got it rolling. So uh, you got your SVP audience is uh, also something you got to be because you want to be able to update them. You want them to understand what's going on in your role. You don't want them thinking uh, Vaughn's over there in a black box and who knows what he's doing. So <laughs> now this is cool. It, it, not to uh, dismiss what you're doing because it sounds it, it sounds really important, but I keep picturing the the guy from Office Space that's like, I'm a people person. I take the requirements from the customer and I bring it over to them. And I and like, well, do you? So you don't actually do anything? No, I'm I'm a people person. You do a lot more than that. But I it just I kept thinking that because it's like you are kind of an ambassador where you kind of go across those different lanes. Where Brian and I don't have that direct line of uh, contact up to an SVP. Uh, or into the engineering team, the, the business units, to be able to to let them know, hey, listen, we're seeing a real problem with X, Y, and Z uh, on on this product or this feature with this customer, and here's why. This is why we need to get it changed. That's where someone like like you, with a, as a distinguished architect, can come in and really bridge that gap, 
right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the important piece about you, your role, is you bring me into a meeting. What I know I would get from Brian Young is who's the decision makers? What are the challenges in front of us? Are these organizational, technical, or operational problems? Um, we know that. And uh, that's that's definitely a plus for us uh, when we walk into a situation. And it's always helpful also to have a good relationship with the SE even before you get into a situation because they're the mm-hmm. front line. And sometimes in my role, I miss that. You know, mm. the uh, yeah. the first guy to hear what's going on or that trusted advisor, because more times than not, I'm the guest in somebody else's <laughs> house where you guys, you know, you're the you're the partner. You're viewed as critical. I miss that at times. Uh, trust me there. But uh, it's been a fun ride. Nice. Um, Brian uh, Boyd actually came from TAC before he came over here. I don't know if we uh, we discussed that in our conversations, but um, you know he we've definitely uh, enjoyed having his uh, expertise and understanding of how TAC works because you know as, as we are the first line of, of defense and that that you know, the boots on the ground when it comes to the customer relationship, when, when shit breaks and it happens, that goes to tack. And, you know, we're very limited in what we can do in our role, you know, big companies, it's going to happen, right? We're very segmented in what we do and what we can't. Um, but being able to, to navigate that very large and complex piece of Cisco that is known as tack, Boyd's been a huge, uh, um, a huge proponent with. So. All right. So we're, We've now reverted. We're going to just call him Boyd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what it's we a lot easier. Yeah. So, Boyd, the one thing I've respected about CX is the details. Um, I work with some of the teams that build solutions for mobility, uh, telco cloud. And uh, if you want to you wanna understand truly the details of any situation that CX has evolved, I think that's almost like a, a trait. You know, uh, that they, if they interview, you have to be very detail oriented before you even come in the organization. Something I respect quite a bit, Boyd. Oh yeah. It's a, uh, tech is a, is a place. All right. I mean, I, I joke about this with Brian Young a lot, but, uh, I, I swear the people I worked with in tech are smarter than the people I work with now. <laughs> I think I get that. I get that. Wow. That was, that, that was not subtle at all, Brian. <laughs> well, I wasn't intending it to be Brian. Holy sh! Wow, whoo! Too early in the morning for that. I have a feeling I already know what's going to hit the cutting floor. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't going to make it. <laughs> oh my god! All right. Well, so I think we've. It's funny because I, I we didn't even uh, we haven't even talked about the technology yet, but I think this is important. I think it um, it's a learning experience for me, and I, I know for our listeners who a lot of which are SEs, um, Cisco and partner wise that have, you know, as you, you mentioned briefly, when it comes down to the SEs, they want to, they, they don't need to be sold on something, right? They just want to know, okay, here are the key things you got to look for. These are the features. These are the, the, the fallbacks, right? These are the things you got to work around and, and be careful of. And here's why the customer wants it. And here's where you can go look up more information. And that's honestly what we try to do with the, the podcast. We talk about any, any technology here. Those are really the key points that we touch on. Um, because I came from the customer side before this, and I, I look at it like, okay, what do I want to know as, as the technical guy, right? As the network admin, as the, the systems admin, as the network, uh, you know, whatever. What do I need to know so that I can figure out if this is worth looking into deeper? 
and then doing a trial, whatever. Um, so this is the kind of the approach that we take. So it's, I think it's awesome that you were able to join us today because I think everything's kind of, uh, lining up here. So let's talk Cisco Silicon one. Um, that's been a recent announcement from us in the service provider realm, not something that Boyd or I deal with at all. Um, but I thought it was really cool because some of the uh, performance specs that were touted out and the fact that we're making our own silicone for, for routing now is, is huge because this is, this is a new venture for us. I know it was kind of in part to an acquisition we made a little while ago. So this is really a first run off the press of, of our own routing silicone, which I think has um, is going to have a lot of future benefits for us. And I think it's going to trickle down into the enterprise networking stuff. I understand you can't go too uh, too far into that uh, to that magic ball there, but um, I'd really like to hear from you kind of about the platform, um, the new 8800 routers, and really just kind of dive into that a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure, sure. So you've, you've, you nailed it, but it, it's not the first time we've built silicon for our own routers. But we mm-hmm. had a period uh, with the NCS 5500 and 5000, mm-hmm. where for some of us, it was like the first time we used merchant, a term we use for like off-the-shelf silicon, that mm-hmm. we actually used, you know, merchant silicon and our routing platform, because previous to that was an ASR 9K um, which was another vendor's chip, but had a lot of innovation that we'd added to it. But mm-hmm. let's let's go back to what you're asking. So Cisco One is a uh, is a very uh, interesting proposition for customers because we are doing some really cool, innovative things there. Uh, let's see here. Let's start with uh, the platforms. So the Silicon was developed for 400 gig, uh, and we uh, for our operators, 5G, cloud. These are all driving bandwidth growth. So they're quickly mm-hmm. going from 100 gig to 400 gig now. We're able to, uh, with the silicon, we're able to develop both fixed platforms. So think of a 1RU and a 2UR. Uh, they're referred to as switch on chip, meaning uh, a single ASIC powering all the front panel ports. So okay. uh, roughly you can get 36 ports per RU, all right? If I'm not mistaken, uh, there's a one RU with uh, 24 by 400 gig ports plus 1,200 gig. Um, And then the two RU flips it, and it's um, 60 ports, 100 gig, 12 ports, 400 gig. So it's depending on what the customer needs on the bandwidth needs and what have you. Right. Um, The second piece is the chassis. So there'll be an eight-slot 12 slot and 18 slot. Now we're, we're talking like in an 18 slot, I think 560 ports, 568 ports of 400 gig, a beast. Um, massive. Now one of the, yes, one of the innovations is uh, the power side. So think on the uh, fixed, which is a single chip, you're talking about four Watts for hundred gig, which is pretty damn good. All right. And the chassis, because you have line cards and fabric modules, it's roughly about 11 watts per 100 gig. So you're you're now able to get a chassis and port capacity today that five years ago would have taken probably 10 racks to get to. So they've done a lot of cool innovation with the chip to get the bandwidth, ports, cooling, all the things that you need to build a system. Um, and 
these are, uh, in terms of forwarding, these are big tables for internet peering or even for your own routing domain. A lot of these providers in their cores and edge have huge networks with a lot of different networks that they interconnect to. Right. So huge tables and, and buffering on the chip where now previous generations you had to add additional capacity for, say, TCAM and buffering. Mm-hmm. Problem with that is you're fighting the the CERTES bandwidth. How much bandwidth do I get on the CERTES when the chip goes to an, a TCAM offload? When you're doing 104 and a gig. So what they did is on the chip, they've been able what they call high bandwidth memory. So you have your offload, but it's right on the chip. So the silicon mm. is now the interconnect. So now you have the, the high bandwidth memory for big tables and fast pack, packet forwarding. Now, the, um, the next piece of this that people recognized in the uh, announcement was we could sell the systems as a fully integrated system. Fully integrated system, that means you get the, the router, hardware, fans, power supplies, optics, and XR 7.0, all right? Integrated package, it's what customers are used to. Uh, and with uh, the integrated package, we'll talk about in just a little bit, a lot of cool functionality that we've added in XR. But we also now, because we have about as many customers as, as you can count on your hand, that right their own operating system. Hmm. This says the Amazons of the world, Facebook, Google. They're, they're large operators of huge data centers and their use cases are beyond what an integrated platform could provide. All right. Right. So you can imagine Google's uh, network that interconnects all their data centers probably doesn't look like an enterprise WAN. Right. So we can now, the, the other innovation, and some people don't think of it as an innovation, but the other innovation is, is now that we can take, sell that system and these this handful of operators can plug in their own operating system. Microsoft was on the stage touting, hey, great, Cisco supporting their service abstraction layer or service mm-hmm. abstraction interface, SIA, uh, for, for their Sonic, uh, meaning they have their own operating system for Azure they can plug in. And why is it an innovation? Okay, Brian, it's one thing to say, you can run Linux on my router, okay? Right. And you can use some of your commands to set up the routing in one piece. That's not the hard part. The hard part is it's in production, forwarding billions of packets, um, hundreds of interfaces, and something broke. Mm. I need diagnostics. I need to see runtime information. So we did a lot of cool innovation that for those operators, we could still expose to them information for debugging, troubleshooting, um, and that this would be a consistent experience, um, regardless of what operating system they were running on top. Huge. Mm. It's huge. And uh, the web providers all appreciated that because they've gone through the first iterations of this, and they've realized that piece was missing, you know? Right. Um, you know, troubleshooting networks, especially complex routed networks, not top of rack, complex routed, um, requires uh, a tooling layer from the vendor 
on top of the hardware, not something that you just embed in the operating system. So we did some co-innovations there. Now we go back to um, the integrated platform. So XR7, most service providers and some enterprise, uh, I think in the uh, public sector space and the global enterprise, when it comes to operating a large network, they're very familiar with this. So um, there's not a huge transition except to learn new things that we did to modernize the operating system. I guess the easiest way to tell you, Brian, or whatever, is we made it look and operate a lot more like Linux. All right? Okay. Biggest problems that we had with previous operating systems to upgrade it, it was pretty much an all-night gig because yeah. you're upgrading everything. Even right. though we had schmooze, at the end of the day, one schmoo turned into two schmoos, turned into four schmoos, you might as well upgrade the whole damn thing. All right? <laughs> <laughs> so now um, uh, with RPMs, modular, yeah. customers can choose what they want to run. This is nice. Never really yeah. had that freedom before, you know. So and um, in terms of uh, telemetry, still working or still taking on some of the push telemetry. So mm-hmm. modernized XR7, it's going to be a lot easier to operate with a lot smaller footprint or overhead. Mm-hmm. Big, big plus to customers when you have to upgrade things um, that you don't want to be. Most of these operators in a DevOps world are used to uh, infrastructure as code and things can be upgraded easily without having to push around two and four gig files. All right. And lastly, the uh, security pieces. Uh, we did uh, some cool innovation here to prevent the software and the hardware from being tampered with, mm-hmm. which has become a critical issue. Um, we've seen some issues last year where uh, operators are finding, you know, using microscopes saying, hey, what the hell is this chip doing here? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, software race. being, yeah, software being tampered. So they, <laughs> the team did a great job there that uh, right now today, customers have audit type capabilities to be able to see if anything's been tampered. And mm-hmm. uh, the engineering teams are working on um, actions, policy-based actions they can take on this. So from a security standpoint, um, they went a pretty good ways in that now you have to look at these devices as trusted devices now because that's just the world we live in. And uh, mm-hmm. it's evolved, evolved with that. So that's kind of, the, uh, kind of the three areas that you'll see most people talk about Cisco One. Platform, the silicon operations with XR and then kind of the, the security pieces. That's cool. I mean, I, Brian, how many times have we brought up things about zero trust lately, especially in the enterprise network and the access layer and stuff? I mean, how many, how many times have we discussed it? Yeah, a lot. And anything that deals with security is always good to hear about. Yeah. I mean, and it makes sense, right? I mean, if, if you, if you really want to have, if you're a malicious actor and you really want to have the biggest impact, are you going to go for an endpoint? Are you going to go for an enterprise network? Or are you going to go for a service provider? Right. So being it, it's it's critical, I would say even more so to to secure that. And of course, because we don't work in that space at all, it's not something that we see every day, but it's really cool to see, hey, Cisco is doing this across the board, not just an enterprise, but they're doing yeah. this across the board and service provider as well and trying to secure that supply chain and and uh, basically do it sounds like uh, implementing some level of zero trust on the service provider side as well, uh, yeah. which makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's where. 
if if all the attacks come from the internet, service providers are going to see it first. <laughs> they also have to worry about internal attacks too. Yeah. They employ a lot of people. Uh, I work with yeah. a lot of them. And if you get into a security discussion somewhere down the road in that conversation, it's going to be, what if the problem is internal? It's some yeah. of this tampering is kind of what uh, helps them. But plus, like I said, the being able, how you operate these devices is huge also, you know, compliance on configurations, compliance on security for in-band and out-of-band management. Um, you have to make these things simple today, far less complex than what we maybe have done in the past, because that also aids in your security response also. Mm. Very cool stuff. I, I want to touch on the, the the power stuff. I, in a previous lifetime, um, did a lot of electrical stuff, and uh, I was Im- impressed with what you're mentioning in terms of um, the wattage per port. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have thought that that would have been something that would have been a, a consideration, but when you're talking a huge data center like a Facebook or a Google or whatever, and the difference of six port or six watts per port and four watts per port when you have millions of port. I mean, that's that's a huge cost savings just yes. in itself. And that is that kind of the big driver there is is uh, uh, as you mentioned, cooling, uh, having them run a little running a little cooler, generating less BTUs, uh, port density, wattage per port. These are all things that are that are being considered when they're when they're shopping around for something like this, right? You are correct. Now clarify one thing for for you and your audience we're talking about the 8000 or cisco one mm-hmm. that's the routing platform now the number of routers inside the data center to interconnect to other data centers versus the number of servers is quite you know we're talking you know uh for every thousand or ten thousand servers you may have one huge router right, all right? so you're right in that they are looking at that, but especially to your point on a top of rack switch, think of this for a minute. If it takes five, three to five minutes to reboot your tour and you have over 10,000, at some point you're never able to upgrade. You only mm-hmm. have 24 hours in the day. <laughs> you know, <laughs> physics run into yeah. you. So uh, you're right. Little a watt per port makes a huge difference. But the other side of this, Brian, is I am uh, uh, a mobile operator. I've got these edge sites where I've got to get bandwidth to. These are not huge data centers. So I have limited cooling and power in these locations where it makes it's the opposite side of what you're describing and that right. the facilities that. I can take something like Cisco one. Now I can solve my 400 gig problem and be able to operate in an environment. So there's two sides of that spectrum. Yes. in a web scale power per port space, huge deal. Not as big as the servers and tour, but it is a deal operators on the five G say like mobile operators. I have to operate in a distributed environment. Makes a big right. deal there too. Yeah. They got the little, uh, little uh, brick houses next to the to the cell phone towers right there's only so much space and cooling you can fit in one of those and their right? CEOs <laughs> you know their CEOs are, where they where they have like most of their aggregation equipment yes mm-hmm. impressive stuff Brian this is uh this is cool to me I've I've uh you know it's it's 
whole different world. Uh, it makes sense why Cisco segregates it off to a, a completely different, uh, completely different leg of Cisco. Yeah, it feels like a different language almost. <laughs> it really um, does. I had to think long and hard about Tor. It's it's still BGP. <laughs> I mean, but no, uh, you're right. You're right. There there is some. Uh, I would say the biggest difference between enterprise and uh, service provider uh, will come down to operational. But I say for one reason only. This is just me. Uh, you can ask others. But I say the difference in operations, Boyd and Brian, is versus enterprise. These guys, this drives their top line or bottom line revenue. Right. Where if I'm Coca-Cola, I build a huge network. And I may operate close to the scale of a tier two operator, but Coca-Cola is my bottom line and my top line. So you're going to operate your networks differently based on on the business side of it. So. No, that, that, makes sense. that makes a lot of sense. Um, how many times have we talked about how IT is usually just considered a, a cost cost center, right? Just something that costs us a ton of money and has absolutely no value because most companies don't see their value coming directly from their IT operations unless their old IT shop falls apart and they're unable to do anything and then they realize how important it is or they all need to go work remotely because of uh, you know a, a global pandemic. You know, like that's going to happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> Good joke. Good joke. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what I see, Brian. Because I, like I said earlier, I see both the production side and the internal side. And it's mm-hmm. a, usually on the production side, you know, it's uh, a return on investment, um, you know, how much capacity. On the internal side, it's cost, simplification, and now it's a multi-cloud world, you know, for right. IT. So. It's, it's different conversations. Very interesting. Um, now you mentioned the, uh, it, it looks a lot more like Linux, uh, which I, I, I can definitely respect. I think I agree with, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it sounds like, and it looks like over the years, Cisco has really changed the way that we play with others, right? We, back in the day, uh, we used to kind of be um, our, in our own sandbox. We did our own thing. If you didn't like it, well, tough. You know, go somewhere else. It's fine. We we do it the way that we do it. Um, and I would say, I don't know what the the, the timeline is here, but maybe five, 10 years, uh, most recent five, 10 years, we've really kind of transitioned, especially more lately, into um, we play nice with, with others now, right? We're a lot more open. We have uh, APIs that we're integrating with. We have uh, APIs that we're sharing um, you know, how does this, uh, how do you see this going into play with, uh, what you mentioned before about the, the, what we're offering on the, um, with just the, the chipset that you can kind of build your own operating system on top of. Okay. Yeah. There's one area and XR seven, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think, uh, explains exactly what you're, you're talking about there Our data models. So XR has been used in Yang data models for quite a while now. And we acquired a company called TELF many, many moons ago. We call it NSO, Network Services Orchestrator. Okay. Okay. And so we've supported Yang models. Now, we supported a lot of Yang models, which were Cisco specific. If you're an operator like Google. Mm-hmm. And you have Cisco, Juniper, Arista, 
and you have to manage these at scale, and they have different data models, uh, that's too complex. That stuff ain't going to work. Uh, it's like our friend Boyd over here. Imagine he's going to have three different, well, let's go six different boys, all right? And if he has to talk six different languages to those boys while he's trying to raise them, and yep. not going to work out so well. So he's going to talk English to them all. So how we're praying, <laughs> how we're playing friendly, <laughs> open config for yeah. your audience. This is something that came out of Google. And open config is a standard operator model that you could standardize across multiple vendors. All right. Mm -hmm. We've taken on open config that is not only supported in XR, but also supported in Nexus OS. And I believe that they're doing some work on it with XC also. So with XR, you've got open config. So now I can have a, a common Yang model to work across different vendors. But still, we left it such that there are some Cisco internal Yang models that you can also take advantage of if you want to be able things that maybe it can't be done on an Arista box because of differences in hardware. You still have access to those things. So we are doing a lot of work in terms of um, being able to operate in a broader uh, environment. Um, we say it a lot in SP, uh, multi-vendor environment mm -hmm. and customers can operate and leading some of that. And then uh, you bring up, now let's say, okay, I'm running my own operating system. Yes, the what we're doing with our software developers kit, what we're doing with our hardware abstraction layer, and what we're doing with our service layer APIs is we are making it easier for customers to program, program the forwarding, program the control plane, program down to the to the hardware level, depending on how you're consuming the devices. Um, and then giving you, vis like we talked about earlier, giving you visibility in terms of how those things are operating. So I think we've uh, come a long ways from when I think the biggest lesson we learned was when the first customer came and said, we're going to run our own operating system on a box. What do you got? <laughs> not me. But nope. Some other people were like, ah, you know, you, you're not, you can't do that. I mean, this is too hard. You're, you're never going to get this done. Lesson learned. That's yeah. not the right response. The best response is, tell you what, we don't know a lot about that. That's not our business today. We're willing to take that journey because I think we're both going to learn something. You're going to learn that we actually have value in that model, and we're actually going to learn what's important to you operationally. And I think, Brian, that's exactly where Jonathan Davidson's team is today. They have a much better idea of the operational challenges that service providers need to deal with that maybe they had 10 years ago. And a lot of that came out of our large web customers and AT&T yeah. and Verizon. So. Well, it's a, it's a scalability, right? I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. As you said, it becomes a, if you're looking at upgrading all these uh, devices, right? And you have to do it kind of one at a time. It, it just becomes a matter of physics. You, you can't you can't do that. And if, right. if there are going to be ways to automate and uh, and and speed up your, the processes here uh, for going through these workflows, you're going to take advantage of it. And if it's something that can be built on on something from the ground up, open source, you're not relying on 
some vendor's proprietary tool that still runs, uh, that still requires you to run a, an outdated version of Java to use. These are all things that your customers uh, on the service provider side are going to be thinking about, especially when it comes down to these kind of purchases. Because I can imagine when um, the sales guys in service provider get an order, they're relatively large orders. They're not, you know, pots and pans like what we what we're used to with with some of our orders. They're big, giant, uh, big, giant processes. So um, this is uh, this has definitely been enlightening. Uh, Boy, did you have anything uh, with your six kids that you uh, wanted to bring up? All uh, that talk separate languages. <laughs> that would be impressive. It would be impressive. Uh, the, the Tower of Babel over at Boyd's house. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if I understand it correctly, I mean, if you're running your own operating system with these routers, um, does Cisco help support that, provide tooling for that? Yes. Yes. And that was, that's awesome. that was, a, that was a big step. And actually, Boyd, we actually found out because originally people were like, well, if we're not building the integrated thing, then what's our value? Do we really yeah. have value anymore? What we learned, again, like I said, Jonathan's groups learned a lot. What we did learn is there is value when you look at your hardware abstraction layer and your software, software developer kit and your APIs in terms of what you expose after the device is up and running. Um, so yes, there's still value adding what we're doing there for customers, even if they run their own operating system. Vaughn, how long would you say it took us to get to that realization? I'd you've say, been here since late nineties, right? Nin- 99, you said, and, yeah, I'm, I'm, you've seen them both Indi- sides. Individuals got there quicker. I think yeah. SP, we call it now the massively, um, massive scale infrastructure group now. They used to be SBBU. Okay. I think uh, for that whole organization to get where they need it, took us getting Cisco 8000. Yeah. All right. Um, and I think the interim step was the NCS. So as an organization, I think to get it right, probably, you know, it was about a three, three year journey to really okay. kind of figure it out. And then they're still, they're still going to learn more. Yeah. I mean, you're constantly learning, right? Yeah. But give credit to individuals, uh, yeah. people like on the sales side that work in web. Some of them I work for now. They got it. They got it early on. They just took them a yeah. while to convince. I think it wasn't the technical side. It was the business side. Back to the yeah. question Boyd asked. If I don't have an integrated system, what's my value? Am I just now a low commodity margin player? Right. And uh, that's been demystified. That's that's yeah. not true. You're, that, that's, that's not what happens. So, and I think Cisco's always had that idea that they that stigma of I cannot be that that low price commodity. I, I don't want to be that. I want to be Cisco. Right. We've we've got the name to protect. And I, I can understand. As a shareholder, how... I agree with that too. <laughs> <laughs> but so we've. It, it sounds like you know we've we've gotten rid of that stigma. We've better understood kind of. The fact that our customers' needs, when they want to go down this route, if they're if they're not if they want to take us on that journey, we should be willing to at least look at it and yeah. not be so just you know nope not going to happen it's it's nope it's not what we do right um, and it's it's really cool that um, the eighty eight hundred series has really just been I guess the, uh, um, the 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 pot of gold at the end of the rainbow right in terms of this is the realization of that goal of that, of that goal and that achievement. Right. 
Let's give some credit to our data center teams also um, who went down this journey with Microsoft. They've also mm. learned some of those same lessons um, and do similar things on the cloud scale of ASICs uh, with mm. these operators. So as a company, yeah, we, I'd say now to your point, because this will happen. We've seen this. You will have an operator who thinks I'm brave, going to save some CapEx, I'm going to, you know, do a cumulus type thing. I'm going to be the integrator and put all this together myself. Tell me, Cisco, what you got. You know, it's that to your point. All right. We have knowledge. We know the challenges ahead. Okay. In doing this Mm -hmm. versus having uh, a vendor who can provide, you know, manufacturing, distribution, tax. Boyd understands tax support. Matter of fact, let me pause there for just a minute. It sounds cool to write a network operating system or to use some Linux variant like a Cumulus. Sounds cool, all right? Until you get a call at 3 a.m. because ARP (laughs) isn't working. It ain't so fun no more. No. So there Sounds are. Sounds like you're speaking from experience, there, Vaughn. <laughs> been there a couple times. Um, I actually heard this from uh, some of the web scale. This is the lessons we all learn. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. So there, you said it right. Customer uh, got an idea. We do, Brian. Uh, you can find people inside this company on the sales side and engineering side that can walk a customer down this journey, help them understand pros and cons to understand going down this path. At the end of the day, we still believe the majority of customers still need an integrated platform. But when you look at what we're doing with XR, for those customers that we've eliminated so much overhead that now even with an integrated system and using things like open config, you are getting, you know, you are essentially getting a better operational model um, and still an integrated solution with support from TAC software updates, all this stuff that maybe you can't do in-house that we do um, for, for many, many, many customers. But a handful, a handful have the need and uh, we'll, we'll uh, you know, have to do development, but are finding now vendors like Cisco in a supply chain type world at tremendous value. Because at the end of the day, Google is all about innovation towards the consumers of the enterprise not manufacturing devices, you know. Right, right, right. Do you think this is something we'll see across more of uh, the Cisco product line? I definitely see what we're doing with open config, being able to work across multiple vendors. Um, I do see us doing that, even if an enterprise is all in on Cisco. I think there's tremendous value in that you can have an open source community drive innovation and our customers can take advantage of that. Um, Even if they're all Cisco in their campus or their access network, not a multi-vendor, there's still tremendous value there. And and I do this as my Cisco live session, uh, data-driven networking. Guys, we're still really at the early stages being data-driven in terms of how we operate the networks. Many enterprises still operate the networks based on the config. You know, 
this is the config. We're going to make sure this config is compliant. I don't see a lot of uh, operators at this point, like the large scale web that can now take Hadoop clusters, collect massive amounts of data and turn it into a virtuoso cycle that they can actually do automation that's data driven. So back to what Boyd's saying, some things we're doing with telemetry, automation, data models. Yes, I see this going across the DNA space, the catalyst space, the data center space. And the way that things are organized now with, uh, we have a larger organization for our enterprise and data center networking, intent-based networking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yes, I do see it going. Boyd, I don't know about you, but I'm uh, I'm pretty blown away right now. What do you think? Yeah, hearing about this stuff is always cool, especially since uh, we don't get to touch it very often or no. even hear about it. So, um, no, this is awesome to hear about. Yeah, no, this is this has been great, um, Vaughn. I I do want to wrap things up a little bit here, just because I I, okay. I, I want to res be respectful of your time. Um, however, is there is there anything that you wanted to mention that maybe we didn't ask about or? Uh, didn't come up today. Is there any kind of final thoughts uh, from you that you'd like to add? If you're interested in this platform or interested in this space, um, you can go get hands-on um, with some simulation, but look at what we're doing with segment routing and IPv6. They call it SRV6. Um, this platform will lead the way for that because of the operators are really driving us to innovate in that area. Um, I, for your for your audience, even if you're an enterprise, you're an enterprise, you're a CCIE, you're a technologist, go look at uh, SRV6. I think that's a technology you should have in your head and understand. And maybe don't worry about understanding the bits, understand the problems that people are solving. That's a very cool one because it's going to, it's going to go all the way from the endpoint across the network yeah. and uh, go on DevNet and look at our resources for programmability. Boyd asked the question, some of the things we're doing on XR for service providers, is that going to the other markets? Look at DevNet to start to see some of those things. And then you'll, from your, if let's say you're an X, iOS XE expert, the catalyst and things like that. Um, you can start to see where some of those things are crossover. So places where you can get your hands on and actually um, test some of these things that I'm talking about operationally. Nice. So even we can get to play with it, Boyd. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The only thing Very that's cool. missing is the the big iron. So if you can get enough power to your, your house there, maybe park that, <laughs> move that shelf behind your head, slap <laughs> one right there, you know, it'll probably got uh, a run your whole neighborhood down. I got my uh, C240 over here uh, uh, folding protein cells for fold folding at home uh, to research uh, coronavirus over here. It was uh, The fans were spinning hard last night. <laughs> I sent a screenshot to, to Piperata. My uh, my 80 cores were at 100%. So wow. it was uh, it was chugging away. Um, Vaughn, thank you very much for, for joining us You're today. Welcome. It was a pleasure meeting you, and I, I I'm, uh, really appreciate your time and your insight here. And uh, We'll be sure to post the resources uh, that you were mentioned in the show notes. And uh, thanks again for your time, Vaughn. You're welcome. And then for your for your listeners, have a, a great day and uh, be safe. Be smart. Be safe. Wash your damn hands. <laughs> Wash your hands. Good. good. Stay there inside. you go. So, Brian, uh, that was uh, that was a pretty cool episode. What you what you think about that one? 
Yeah, really good to hear from Vaughn. Um, as we've mentioned several times already, we really don't touch this stuff very often. And honestly, I don't even pay attention to these announcements most of the time because I know it doesn't affect us. So um, getting right. to hear about a different technology and how it might, <clears throat> you know, parts of it might be spread to other Cisco products like, uh, you know, iOS XE and NXOS. Um, it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely think that, as I said, the the technology and the lessons learned here within service provider, they're definitely going to trickle down into the stuff that we deal with in the enterprise level, um, switching routing. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if eventually it makes its way down to something like even Meraki, right? I mean, these are these are lessons learned, and uh, um, I I did follow up with uh, Vaughn after our initial discussion because he brought up IP, IPv6 in the uh, towards the end there. Um, and I'm, I'm looking into uh, possibly doing uh, an episode on diving a little bit into that because uh, I remember when I was in K-12, that was something that I was working with trying to just get my head around to understand, okay, what would be the impl- implications of turning on IPv6 in our network? And I think, and I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this for oversimplifying it, but I think when you start looking at IPv6 because of its just the address space alone, right? You are really just extending your public space into your internal network, right? It's 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 huge. It's it's, it's a big lift. There's there's definitely a lot of implications that go along with it. Uh, so hopefully we'll get someone uh, within the next couple episodes to um, to go through that and um, kind of talk it over with us. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Brian, I, I think I think we covered everything in the main part of the episode here. But was there anything you wanted to uh, to add here? Any final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm all set. Cool, and uh, I'll I'll say it again because I we're in the midst of the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic right now. Um, if there is anything that we can do from the Cisco side um, in terms of extended trials of certain software, um, uh, additional licensing for things as your as your workers go more remote, please reach out to your account manager. Um, even just to ask, Hey, I, I don't know what to do. Can you help me? Uh, hopefully your account team is able to point you in the right direction. If it's, if it's something that even Cisco can't help with, um, and be mindful too, because, um, services like WebEx and whatnot are being impacted by the sheer <laughs> exponential increase of number of users and number of sessions. Now that everyone is moving remote. So, um, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can here to, to scale up. I know Brian and I were just talking about this before we started. Uh, internal resources are now being diverted to help build up that, uh, that, uh, that infrastructure there to, to scale up even more. So uh, bear with us. Uh, it's, it's not often that we have to deal with more than two times the capacity uh, from such, a, from such a, a huge issue like COVID-19 has, uh, has given us. So um, again, work with your account team, bear with us, and uh, yeah, stay safe out there, wash your hands. And with that, thank you for listening to Conf T with ERSE. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, a topic you'd like to suggest, please send us an email at hello at conft.show. And if you like the show, please consider sharing with your friends and colleagues and giving us a rating and review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can get notified when we publish an episode every two weeks. Show notes for this episode can be found on our website at conft.show. That's C-O-N-F-T dot S-H-O-W. As always, stay safe out there and don't forget to say that config.